We do these crazy and harmful and destructive and sinful things. Let's not, let's not, uh, you know, sin is not an outmoded concept, right? Uh, they're not bad because God told us not to do them. God told us not to do them because they're bad. Um, and, and so we, we do need repentance, but we also need healing and we need a safe place to do it, which is why God constituted the church. Last week, Nate Larkin shared his personal testimony about struggling with a pornography addiction and how he eventually found freedom. This week, he and Gary discussed the types of sexual addictions and where they can originate from in our past. God wants to heal those deep heart wounds. While we're wrestling with an addiction, though, we need daily reminders of God's love for us and his promises to us. If that resonates with you, you might enjoy our 86 Seconds video devotionals from Gary Wilkerson. You can learn more and sign up at worldchallenge.org. Now here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Hey, I'm back with Nate Larkin. Uh, Nate, you have uh, written this amazing book called uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks and your story you've been telling us over uh, what may end up being uh, several episodes. I just wanted to let you know, alert you, that you are now the... You hold the record for the most times appearing on the, the Gary Wilson podcast. So <laughs> okay. this is amazing. It's it's something that uh, it's such an intriguing. I don't want to say story. It's an intriguing uh, life that you've been through. Mm. Uh, God God's been good to you, man. It's, he really has. It's been good to hear your story, and uh, I, I just have the sense that so many people are being helped by this. And uh, and I want to recommend the book too. Um, get it on online or um, uh, it's a Christian bookstore. Fine bookstores everywhere. Fine bookstores everywhere. That's, yeah. that'd be, it, it'll be helpful. It'll be helpful. So o- over the last few times we've been talking together, you've been sharing your your story, and, and in that story you've you've weaved in um, some things I want to go back to okay. uh, because I think they really help us. Let's let's get practical now. Okay. okay. Here's. Uh, Here's a, a guy, a gal struggling with a, a porn addiction, prostitution yeah. addiction, se- any kind of sexual addiction. Right. Uh, let's start there. Yeah. Uh, what type, various types of sexual addictions are there? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Carnes, who is kind of like the granddaddy of the uh, sex addiction as a diagnosis. Uh, the, one of the, who, That's the name of the book? No, uh, no. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. He, he wrote a book to 20 years ago called Out of the Shadows. Okay. Dr. Patrick Carnes. Carnes and uh, C A R N E S. Okay. So and he opened the first treatment center for sex addiction. Hmm. Um, he really classifies three levels of sex addiction. So the highest level would be uh, you know the, the offender. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, people who, for whatever reason, uh, are now crossing the line into actual uh, abuse of minors or whatever. And you kind of get sentenced almost to like therapy or well, if yeah, you're an in, offender. In, yeah, okay. in most in most states. I mean, if you get caught as an offender, uh, you're you're going to jail for a long time. Uh, like a predatory type right, uh, molestation. Right, right, right. But, and, but, and that's a bit of a catch twenty two okay. because uh, uh, therapists and even. Uh, uh, past you have this legal obligation to disclose yeah. if you hear. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Uh, so if somebody has crossed the line into that, um, yeah, into that predatory behavior, okay. they can't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, the only way they're going to stop is if they get caught. Wow. Uh, and and I'm I'm afraid that that may result in more victims. 
than if there were a safe place for them to disclose right. what they're doing. Right. There, there is some for uh, I've, I've come across some ministries that work with maybe not. Uh, yeah, there's certainly people that help with with that, that yeah. the problem you're talking about. But but so maybe somebody that's been caught, uh, like by the police, yeah. uh, picking up a prostitute. Right, right, they call right, him a John, right? Right, 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 right. right. Um, And they can be sentenced to. Uh, like this guy up in, I think you interviewed him on your podcast, Jay Stringer, yeah. was it? Mm-hmm. And doesn't, you know, like he works with people that, he, like has a class for that. So oh, that, sure, that sure. Like, yeah, like John School? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, so yeah. that's another type of, of uh, sure. addiction is, is prostitution. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that, that was one that I fell into. Um, prostitution felt safe to me. Uh, because I wasn't, I, I, I love my wife and wanted to stay faithful to my wife. I didn't want to. I didn't want to know anybody's name. I didn't want to form any kind of an emotional attachment. Wow, prostitution. Yeah, it, it, it felt, freaks me out when you say it, it yeah, sounds safe. It, it, it sounds it, so dangerous. It, it, yeah, it, it was. It was extremely dangerous. It was insane behavior. Why do you say behavior. it sounds safe? I don't understand. It felt that. emotionally safe to me. I don't get that. Because. Uh, I was not going to have to form a relationship or sustain a relationship with this person. Okay, so emotionally no, safe. No, there's going to be, yeah. You're not talking about risk of getting caught or anything Oh, there like was that. all kinds of okay, risk. Okay, so you're talking about safe in the sense of... And I was not only putting myself at risk, I was putting my wife at risk right. of a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. So it was very dangerous behavior. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing it, I was doing irrational things for non-rational reasons, trying to solve the problem by rational means. Yeah. I was so this was an emotional thing that was driving me. Yeah. Uh, zero risk of rejection. Yeah. When you're hiring prostitutes, you got the if you got the money, baby, she's got the time. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so after, I'm sorry, I want to just keep yeah. on, keep on track there. So the other types would be after prostitution would be uh, pornography. Yeah, pornography. Uh, uh, yeah, but and then, then there's oh, also okay. there's also you know uh, affairs, serial affairs, okay. right? That would be considered a sex addiction type of affair? It can be. It can be very compulsive, yeah. right? Okay. Multiple affairs. Multiple affairs where I'm – and what I need to make is an emotional connection with another person. Yeah. I can get caught in that cycle of seduction and conquest. It can be about power. Mm. Uh, if someone's in a long-term affair, would you help them through a sex addiction or more just – they have a relational difficulty with their spouse or well, something? Well, I think there is there is a sexual component okay. yeah, to be dealt with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But we do these crazy and harmful and destructive and sinful things. Let's not, let's not uh, you know, sin is not an outmoded concept, right? right. right. Uh, they're not bad because God told us not to do them. God told us not to do them because they're bad. Hmm. Um, and and so we we do need repentance, but we also need healing, and we need a safe place to do it, which is why God constituted the church. Yeah, I want to talk about that in just a moment. Yeah, the, the difference between sin mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, repentance. Yeah, and uh, being wounded and needed healing. Yes. So let's, go, yeah, yeah. let's come back to that in just a moment. Okay. Yeah. But so so um, so you have these various types of uh, types of sex addictions, and then. You have uh, what? What are the, obviously you're in this world yeah. in the sense of helping people recover from this. What can you give us some? So some people statistics are sort of have some value to them, so they yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah. like they're alone. It's, this yeah, is yeah. not if somebody's dealing with one of these things we just talked about, they're not alone. Probably. Oh, right? the craziest thing is that I thought um, that I was the you know the worst sinner in the world, and that I was all alone, and that nobody would understand. What is astonished? I've lost track, Gary, of the number of men who've come up to me. And and said, that, you know, your story is my story. Yeah. You know, 
preachers who've said, you know, I need royalties uh, because you obviously have told, you know, <laughs> told, <laughs> told yeah. my story, right? Wow. Yeah. So uh, porn use is, is very prevalent and becoming more so with every passing year. So uh, I think the last uh, Barna study, uh, oh boy, I don't remember the numbers exactly. Uh, CovenantEyes.com, uh, the Covenant Eyes people okay. always keep a current list of statistics. But it's more than 50% of uh, active churchgoers are uh, addicted uh, yeah. Or, 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 yeah, or, or viewing. Yeah, you are viewing okay. pornography on right. a regular basis. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 and the number for pastors is not far off that. Right, right? pretty much the same for pastors, yeah. right? Yeah, because they're human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. exactly. And uh, what's most distressing to me is that porn use is uh, h- higher with younger people. So the average age of first exposure to pornography now is, is eight. Ooh, wow. And the fact that we're now putting smartphones into the hands of children, mm-hmm. uh, we're giving them a porn theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at least 30% of all porn traffic, uh, all web traffic is porn. So, uh, and one of the great dangers is that, you know, you know, I got hooked as a married man when I saw my first video porn. There's something very much more powerful about modern pornography than about the um, still images in the Playboy magazines that I saw as a child. This is immersive experience. It, 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 it impacts the brain in an entirely different way. Um, and so if a, if a boy, by the time he's 14, 15, 16, 17, has had now thousands of virtual sexual encounters, his brain is, has become conditioned to novelty. Mm-hmm. When my brain is, is conditioned to novelty now, it doesn't matter how beautiful a woman is. She's only one woman. That makes me tremble for my beautiful granddaughter, Ruby, who turns 10 years old this year. The odds that she's going to be able to meet and marry a young man who can see her for the exceptional, beautiful woman she is and love her and connect with her on a deeply intimate basis. You know, those odds are diminishing every year. Now, fortunately, even the most secular cultures in the West are now beginning to recognize the damage that porn is doing. Mm-hmm. And they're now taking steps. I mean, it's starting actually in Europe where um, now age verification is required under European Union rules to view a pornographic website. Mm-hmm. But given the nature of the web and the inventiveness of uh, adolescence, uh, I don't know that that really is you know, it's not a final solution, yeah. but it's a help. Yeah, well, they're getting after it. So then um, you have uh, various forms of sex addiction. Secondly, that you have then a large number of the population getting involved. Can you, can you uh, help us? Somebody's listening, they're saying, um, well, you know, I kind of view it occasionally, yeah. but I'm not an addict. Is there a difference between somebody who uh, occasionally views porn and a porn addict? Certainly, okay. uh, you know, I would say, uh, I would say, pornography in uh, in any amount is dangerous mm-hmm. and destructive. 
but certainly there are those who have, and I was, I was among them for many years, who have uh, are crossed the line. You know, as I see it, it kind of happens this way. Um, I, I see something that I, something tells me I shouldn't do it, but I, I do it anyway. Right. But I do it freely. I'm, 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 I have an impulse to do it. I follow the impulse. I do it freely. As I do it, I create a neural pathway. And in the process, condition some chemical receptors throughout my body that will predispose me ever so slightly to repeat the behavior. I have begun uh, a learning sequence. Mm -hmm. Now, if I do it again, I strengthen that neural pathway, condition some more chemical receptors, making it ever more likely that I will repeat it again. As I repeat that, at some point I cross an invisible line. And now what began as a volitional act becomes automatic. I have lost the freedom of choice. I am not free to stop. I am, it's in me now. I am sick. I am addicted. Mm -hmm. And I need intervention. I need a healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are certainly, uh, uh, you know, a a lot of people at the beginning of that continuum. <clears throat> so we want to be healed. Yeah, um, we want to be free of this addiction of, uh, or even be free of the occasional lapse and sure. uh, viewing and yeah. experiencing things as we shouldn't. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the journey. Then, uh, how would you suggest somebody begin that this journey? They're they're kind of caught in this neural yeah. pattern. There, yeah. There's an addiction. There's wounds. Yeah. There's history. Yeah. Is there a starting place? There is. Okay. First of all. Uh, you have to give up the crazy idea that you can get out of it by yourself. If there's one thing I'm certain of is that once you are addicted, there's no solo way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's any spiritual, religious, uh, a religious way out. I mean, I tried those solutions. I'm not saying that Jesus can't come and sovereignly do it. I don't want to close the door on what right. God can do uh, because, uh, I mean, God's God. Uh, however, uh, he designed us to live in community. He will use even these greatest, w- uh, th- these weaknesses of ours to drive us back into that place where we can truly be healthy. Um, when I, so I make a fresh resolution. I lost track of how many resolutions I made to stop. And I could stop for a while. I could white knuckle it for a while. But eventually, I would get tired enough, angry enough, afraid enough hungry enough uh, and close enough to the edge that I'd be back in again. Mm -hmm. So we need to find uh, somebody to walk with us. Now, it could be a pastor. Um, It could be a therapist. And there is, uh, thankfully, thankfully, the ranks of therapists Therapists skilled in sex addiction recovery are growing year by year. So uh, you could find a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist, who would help you. Now, that therapist is also probably, he or she is going to want to connect you to a group. It's going to be a safe group where you can come in. You don't have to talk in code. You don't have to make promises you can't keep. You don't have to pretend to be any better or healthier than you are. You can just come in and live in the world of what is, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and begin to form actual, authentic, intimate relationships. Okay. 
So, yeah, so it starts there. It starts with <clears throat> being vulnerable, opening up your heart yeah. to community. Yeah. yeah, because I don't know, I can't tell you, how, and you probably experienced more than me, how, how many people have come to me and said, uh, you know, I, I tried worshiping it away, yeah. I tried praying it away, I tried fasting it away, yeah. I tried the accountability, yeah. uh, I tried, you know, falling on my face on the carpet, just yeah. weeping for hours, just like, God, I hate the sin, why, yeah. why do I still have it? And then yet get up and still engage in the same yeah. practice that tells me, and I'm gonna kind of, we're gonna jettison to a different yeah. topic for a second here. It tells me there's something more going on. Uh, there's these neural pathways, yeah. uh, there's sin, yeah. and we need to repent of that sin. But these people are repenting of their sin. Yeah. It tells me there's a wound. Yes. Um, there's something that, and, and it's not to excuse the sin and to say, you don't need to repent, you're a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're, you're an agent of sin and uh, there does need to be repentance. It's a much more grace-based repentance than we could ever imagine. Yes. Uh, rather than being a fear-based repentance of, uh, you know, I'm gonna lose my salvation or I'm yeah. gonna lose God's favor or he's gonna hate me. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, I think it's a lot less fear-based and a lot more grace-based. Uh, but I think there's this, you know, I grew up hearing, and I, I read your book, so I know you did too. You, you, we grew up hearing a lot about sin and repentance, yes. uh, as we should. We need, yeah. to, we need to be aware of that. But I, I, don't think we, we, I don't think we heard about it in the depth of really what it was, the, yeah. how much brokenness there is there and how it's created by an enemy that's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And so uh, can you talk to a little bit of this about the, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about some of your own. Do, would you say yeah. you had wounds that, that caused you, that well, caused you, or even, certainly. I'm not sure I'm using the right word, caused, caused yeah. or created a, 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 a felt need in you or in me that we go to our favorite addiction yeah. to try to make yeah. us, you yeah. Know, I don't know. Yeah, I think there are, there are kind of two classes of wounds that we can talk about. Okay. Uh, there are those, those wounds of presence, the trauma that, that we can point to. For me, it was uh, my mother's mental breakdown when I was eight years old and her death by suicide when I was nine. Mm that left me bereft, orphaned. Uh, that's a very traumatic event. And uh, when you look back over the lives of sex addicts specifically, mm -hmm. uh, my story is quite common. Okay. Or a lot of correlates. Sad, yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly, uh, um, trauma can also be uh, as devastating as, as a, as a um, as a wound of presence is. Equally devastating can be a wound of absence. All of us have needs that need to be met in infancy. We come into this world helpless. Uh, we are totally dependent on adults to care for us, right? We can't talk yet. We need help feeding. We can't move. We can't change. We can't, the only way we can communicate is by crying, right? We don't know who we are. Our brains are, uh, uh, I've just started to develop. Mm -hmm. The limbic system is almost fully developed, but that, that uh, prefrontal cortex has just begun to develop. Um, so uh, we could talk about the kind of the four S's of those primary needs of infancy. Um, we need to be seen. In other words, uh, we need to look into the face of somebody else who will react to us, that we need to be mirrored. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, those horrible stories that are told of the Bulgarian uh, orphanages, mm -hmm. those 
orphan crib farms where people came in and found infants. Some of them had died just out of neglect. They had been fed. Yeah. But they had died from neglect because yeah, well, they hadn't been seen. My wife and I, Kelly, were, were actually in Romania yeah. and, and saw that. We saw yeah. this huge room with a bunch yeah. of cribs. Yeah. And when the nurse showed us this girl, probably Kelly's here, six, seven years old, yeah. who couldn't walk, and the nurse said, she has the muscles and the legs to walk, she's, but she's been in her crib her whole yeah. life, and nobody takes her out yeah. to walk her. And so that's, that's that one of the S's. Yes. Yeah. She's not being seen. She has to be seen. Yeah. Okay. We have to be seen. Uh, we have to be soothed. So in other words, when, I, when I'm in distress, I need to have somebody come and, and, um, and soothe my distress, whether I need my diaper changed, whether I need food, whether I just need stroking, whether I need calming. Yeah. That communicates to me that I matter. Right. Now, I was raised in a home as part of a culture. My dad raised me the way he was raised in this culture. My dad was, I'm one of 10. My dad was one of 16. But a part of uh, what my dad believed was you never reward a child for crying. Uh, and he would actually brag that he gave me my first spanking when I was eight days old wow. because I wouldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. So a kid cries, you wait until they stop crying, and then you soothe them mm-hmm. or you come and feed them. Now, my dad did that for the best of intentions, mm-hmm. but it's – but it's not very good uh, parenting, yeah. right? Right. Um, I, one of the messages that all Patrick Carnes says, one of the core beliefs of all sex addicts is no one will take care of my, I can't rely on anybody else to take care of my needs. Mm. And the kind of behavior that I engaged in was self-soothing behavior. Hard for me to trust that anybody else will actually meet my needs. That's a wound of absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also fundamentally need to be s- safe. Um, and so that means if there's a lot of chaos going on, if I sense that my parents are fighting, or if, God forbid, we hear you guys hear these stories all the time, if I happen to be born in a war zone, mm-hmm. or we're a refugee family, where life is uncertain, where there can't be predictability, mm-hmm. as much as my parents may do to try to shelter me from that, that, I'm going to carry that wound. Yeah. And I'm going to carry that wound deep in the limbic system. That is going to become implicit memory. I may not even be consciously aware of it, but I'm going to react out of it mm-hmm. until some substantial healing comes and my, that higher part of my brain is healed to the point where I can regulate that, that, that reactive behavior. Yeah. yeah, so some wounds that people have or trauma <clears throat> caused to them yeah. um, – We've talked here before. I've heard it said that there's two types of trauma, and it's similar to what you're yeah, saying yeah. there. One is things that should have never happened to a child that did, yeah. some form of abuse. And then the second one is things that should have should have happened that didn't happen, yeah, yeah. and that's the soothing and, yeah, the, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the comfort and the, that, that you have that. So when so somebody could be, uh, you know, it, it, talking to their pastor about their addiction or yeah. a therapist, and, and they're totally, like, uh, unconscious of... Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't abused. No, I wasn't. There's right. no trauma in my life. Right. Uh, but they don't know. It's like some of this stuff happened eight days old. That's and, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So first two, three years. And, yeah. and then, of course, even after the two or three years, there's that, uh, you know, the, the things like divorce or a parent being put in jail or an right. addiction and a parent. So, you know, you might not experience those till you're six or seven. But, all you know, all through your upbringing, you're, 
you're susceptible to these sure. types of wounds. Nobody gets out of this yeah. unscathed. That's right. And, you know, I, I've heard it said that even the most attentive parents can really meet the deep needs of a child and enough to, to, to create secure attachment if they can meet 60 per, that, that those needs 60% of the time. Okay, right. Right. That would be a healthy yeah. Yeah. attachment. Yeah. We, there's only one perfect parent. Yeah. And I love the way Jesus said, you know, when he tried to get us to understand the love of the Father, he said, just look at how much you love your kids yeah. and what you'll do for your kids. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And you're really not even that great. You really, <laughs> you really stink as parents. He's perfect. Yeah. 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 Man. That could be a whole nother show on how we stink at parents and parenting. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, I we're love about, my kids, but I'm really being, not that good yeah, at it. I mean, we're talking about being wounded here, but how much, you know, I, I, the biggest regrets of my life is how much I've wounded my own kids yeah. by, um, you know, by trying to compensate for my woundedness. Uh, my, yes. You know, my, my addictions were different. My, my, I, I think I was addicted to ministry, mm -hmm. if that's a possibility. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you know, I had to make, to compensate for my core wound of feeling like I'm not enough. Yeah. Uh, I had to build this ministry. Yeah. Once it's built and it's big enough and successful enough and it's on the cover of Charisma magazine, yeah. then I'll be enough. Yeah. Uh, and so I served that idol. And out of that, some of my kids suffered mm. uh, having a, 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 an emotionally... Uh, unavailable father for for a long time. Unfortunately, that's we're talking about wounds. That's another wound, but you know, yeah. a, there's a healing available yes, for for the parents as well that are that are going going through that as well. So, so okay, so we, we we're identifying um, some wounds, and a lot of people never take the time to identify the wounds. They just repress them, and right. and and, yeah. uh, uh, and that's where the, the the root word of you've heard this before. The depression comes from. Uh, repressed to rep I mean, right, you're, sure. you're going to get depressed right. if you if the Holy Spirit is trying to put a spotlight on these areas of your life where you've suffered trauma right. and you don't and you don't deal with it you don't bring it to the Holy Spirit for healing right. you're probably going to end up addicted to something yes uh, whether it be you know it could be something as seemingly as quote unquote holy as ministry and it's not when you're doing it the wrong reason uh, but then it can be some things that you know are are, are you know, the scripture talks about as as negative in our life. So after we, we but we get to the point where we're starting to do some some soul care and yeah. some some self work, and yeah. we see okay, there's there are these wounds. I've been through some trauma. Yeah. That trauma, uh, maybe like in my case, it caused a core wound that yeah. I identified as being I'm not enough. Yeah. So I'll be enough when I get successful. But I'm not successful, so I need something to comfort me. So I go to drugs, alcohol, yeah. pornography. Um, the healing process then after you def define. Yeah, it, it the sin and you define the wound. Yeah, it also it gets very practical. Okay. Now I uh, I approached recovery uh, from the neck up, head first. Okay. I'm, I'm a thinker, yeah. not a feeler, and I really thought that this is a conceptual problem. Hmm. If I can just understand it, I'll get better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that really is part. Uh, you know, Western Christianity has tended to be. Uh, to draw this division between spirit and body that we don't find in Hebrew thinking. Yeah. We really are embodied spirits. So there's a physical component. Right. I am sinning, I am sick, and there is a physical component to that sickness. My brain needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. Now, my first sponsor, this was before, we know a whole lot more about neurology than we did 20 years ago. But my sponsor, drawing on the wisdom of 50 years of recovery, knew some basic things that I needed to start doing. And I thought he, I 
didn't understand why he was focusing on this because I wanted give me the curriculum, give me the books. I want to understand the concepts. I'll be mm-hmm. fine. He the first thing he talked about was my bedtime. Hmm. Now our brain needs sleep to heal. Uh, it does a lot of cleanup work and renovation work while we sleep and while we dream. It's all very very important to healing. And so he goes, you know, when do you go, you know, when do you go to when do you go to bed? Well, I can't. I told him I can't get to sleep before you know one two o'clock. Right. And he says, well, I got some stuff you know that I want you to start doing at six in the morning. We're going to. I said, I, you know, I can't do it. I. I he said. <laughs> uh, I said I can never fall asleep before midnight. He said nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> he said start getting up at six. Your bedtime will change. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he wanted me to get enough sleep. So I started to get it. I, so I started to get sleep. He then, uh, he wanted me to go to the gym. Uh, I, I had not gone to the gym. Mm. Uh, he said, look, we got to do some self-care here. He said, you've been taking care of your addiction and you've been taking care of business. You've been trying to take care of your family, but you have not been taking care of yourself. Self, right, so okay? important, yeah. Um, the brain has to do a lot of repair work. The energy for that repair work is produced in your cells. Cellular health is a function of, I mean, it's physical exercise. We now know through studies that regular aerobic exercise uh, greatly increases cellular health and produces, uh, increases energy production in the cells, which makes it possible for your brain to heal. Mm -hmm. Your brain, that part of my brain that needs to heal, that draws more energy than any other organ in my body. Um, when, when I have a deficit of energy because I'm not caring for myself and the lower part of my brain has to manage that energy, it browns out my prefrontal cortex. It doesn't get the energy it needs and that's the part of me that makes good decisions. Mm-hmm. That's why my decision-making ability uh, erodes toward the end of the day. I make progressively poorer decisions toward the end of the day if I get tired, if I have to make a lot of decisions over the course of the day. So here's the other thing he wanted me to do. He wanted me to program my day in such a way that I didn't have very many decisions to make. Hmm. Now, I didn't want to do this. I had spent my life keeping my options open. I mean, that was my operating uh, assumption. Right. Nobody, I'm going to, you know, and he's telling me, look, dude, Boring is good. <laughs> and it turns out that once I had my day scripted and I, may, I had my decisions pre-made, um, I wasn't drawing it, – it made it easier for my brain now. It's more, more energy available for my brain to heal. I, I now think that um, one of the reasons I was able to recover was – um, through this coaching. And I'd, never, I'd gotten preaching before and I'd gotten teaching before, but I hadn't gotten coaching before. Yeah. This coaching gave me the underpinning that made it biologically possible for my brain to uh, create the new neural pathways that uh, would actually change my behavior. Mm. That's deep. You know, yeah. uh, just playing the skeptic for a moment here. Yeah. When you first start giving me a list of like sleep a little bit more yeah. exercise you know kind of my my mind immediately goes sort of like the old like, like take a cold shower yeah yeah you know you, you want to look at pornography yeah, yeah, just yeah. Get the, and, yeah. and it's it feels it feels 
insufficient. But yeah. but when you start talking about the brain, then all of a sudden, oh, okay, now I yeah. now, now I see. It's not just sort of like. Um, Go to bed early so you don't go look at the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. computer. Yeah, uh, but you're talking about healing of the brain. Yeah. So so you, so you're you, you, the the steps you're talking about are not just steps in themselves, which are healthy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, And I would add food, maybe that what you eat. To, to oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and but uh, but you're talking about what it produces afterwards, uh, because I, th- I think there's something spiritual in this too, because it, it it could sound like almost a uh, just a, a to-do list, yeah. but there's, I think there's something real spiritual in here because when you are rested and you're not overloaded with decisions and you're eating right and, yeah. and you get some, some uh, is it serotonin, is that the thing, exercise releases or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the good chemicals in your brain, when you, co- when you go in the Lord's presence then, you're, go- you're bringing a different person in mm-hmm. there. And I think if you, bring, if you bring that weary, worn out, defeated person to yeah. the foot of the cross, you certainly can be healed and restored yes. there. But you do that every day, and the Lord's saying, like, okay, you just come in for, like, okay, breathe on you and make you feel a little bit better because you destroyed your life today yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you bring me a life that's not, – not, I'm not saying, like, you know, get healthy and then come to Jesus, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying, you know, he helps through yeah. rest, through yeah. that restoring of the mind, renewing yeah. of the mind. He brings us to this place where – so I think that those that, that physical health, the emotional yeah. health, the relational health that you talked about earlier, yeah. being in community, uh, these things are not sort of like – I guess what I want to say is they're not. We're not at all saying Jesus didn't work for me, so these other things will. No. What we're saying is Jesus works by creating these opportunities that He, by grace, has given to us in life, so that we have a. Yeah. Uh, he wants us to have a, a an abundant life. So abundant life is not being exhausted all the yeah. time and having an idolatry of money or work so that yeah. we uh, um, just can't pay attention to, to the thing, deeper things like love and kindness and mercy yeah. and community uh, and then we're so we're healthy we come into his presence and all of a sudden we open up the scripture and go like my mind is is is, is this is clear to me i'm not, yeah. I'm, not I'm so tired yeah. and i'm so yeah. exhausted yeah. so what, yeah. i think what you're saying is is healthy not only to overcoming addiction, but just to live a healthy life, yeah, yeah, a godly yeah. life, a, a creative life. And I, I, mean, I think Jesus modeled that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he was teaching people, uh, he also, he, you know, he did the bread and fishes trick a couple times because yeah. people are hungry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he himself, you know, he would nap when he needed to nap, uh-huh. you know, even if it was in the middle of a storm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can feel – I was with a, a pastor recently – and he was just talking about, and his wife mentioned this as well, talking about, you know, just to take the day off. There's such guilt, like I'm not doing enough. I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm wasting this day because I'm not serving the Lord today by yeah. being out on the streets witnessing or something yeah. or preparing a sermon. And, you know, I was just trying to encourage him, like, man, just, you know, being with your wife for a walk in the mountains is so spiritual. Yeah. It's it's so being with God, and it's so taking care of yourself yeah. that gives you the strength to take care of, of others in a more powerful way and so all, this, all these things we're talking about are none of these things are, are selfish uh, to me I, I don't yeah. think you're talking about like oh you know Gary and Nate you're just talking about me getting healed and me overcoming and me getting healthy but all of this has uh, the, the sense of uh, we, we can be now alive we can yes. now be empowered we can now be you know the things that that uh, we really want to be out of our life because we don't, you know, yeah, yeah, so. And I can be more present now in relationships and conversations. I can stay connected to other people. Yeah, that's good. As we heal from internal injuries and shed addictions, we will find it easier to forge deep and meaningful relationships with others. Gathering healthy community around us will make staying on the road to recovery easier. 
While the path may not be any smoother or less steep, faithful friends can walk beside us and remind us of our Heavenly Father's promises. The Gear Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Sound design for this episode by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson podcast for more encouragement in your Christian walk. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.